0: Hi, and welcome to the Homeopathy Health Show. I'm Atika Madbati, a fourth generation homeopath with over 20 years of professional experience in this field of healing. In the Homeopathy Health Show, I'll be talking all things homeopathy and natural, with guest interviews, tips and advice, and answering some of your questions. Homeopathy is truly a unique, complementary system of healing suitable for all ages, young and old. I'd love to hear from you and welcome your questions on homeopathy and how it can or has helped you. Feel free to email me at health at liketreatslike.co.uk or visit www.liketreatslike.co.uk for more information. Once you're there, take a look at the Knowledge Academy and Blog section where you will find interesting information. Both sections are growing day by day, so always check back. So let's begin today's show on UK Health Radio, the world's number one talk health radio, real feel-good radio. Now in today's podcast, I'm joined by Nimisha Parekh. Nimisha studied at the Cathedral and John Cannon in Mumbai in India, the University of Wits in South Africa, and later, of course, the College of Practical Homeopathy in London. Nimisha is a seasoned homeopath and expert on the Narayani remedies, which we will be talking about later in today's podcast. And she has also written a book on, a, on the Banerjee protocols. Nimisha, it's so nice to have you on today's Homeopathy Health podcast. Thank you for joining me. How are you?
1: I'm good, Atik. Just a few days ago, I saw a sign strive to arrive. It was right. a traffic sign. And I feel I finally arrived. Uh, by doing <laughs> this show. It's my first kind of radio show. So I thank- think
0: uh I think the Misha with the remedy, the Nariani remedies we're going to talk about, this is going to be epic.
1: But I'm looking forward to it. So I'll also like to thank your CEO, Johan, for the tremendous work you're doing and all the other presenters. Uh, I've come across some really interesting um articles, shows. Mm. I'm looking forward to listening to all of them.
0: It is. Uh, you speak about Johan. It's absolutely amazing what he's achieved. And uh, just last December, we uh, UK Health Radio celebrated ten years of being on air, and um, it really is amazing. You have forty-seven presenters, forty-two shows, and it's just like a one-stop shop to health, all things health, conventional health, natural health, healing, nutrition, uh, therapy. You name it, you know, well-being. It's, it's brilliant. It's really, really good. And uh, you yeah, know, thank you for thanking him. And, of course, I also take this opportunity to thank Johan and the team at UK Health Radio for the great achievements. Yes.
1: This is the way forward, isn't
0: it? Absolutely. So, uh, Nimisha, your journey to homeopathy, something I asked everybody or I, something I ask everybody on the show, um, what was it like to do tell
1: Well, you know, I I actually, uh, this goal orientation and all that came later in my life. I think I just kind of stumbled into things and homeopathy was one of them. So going back, uh, I was born in South Africa during the apartheid era, but I can't say I grew up there. Uh, My parents sent us to India and then to England for our studies. And now as a parent, I realized the tremendous sacrifice they made so that my siblings and I could have a better life. True grit, seriously. And I hope I've learned something from them. Um, so initially uh, I was in India, you know, did my schooling as you know, then um, came to England, did A-levels. Uh, and then I returned home to South Africa, to Wits university, Uh, to do the bachelor's of pharmacology and then did an honors. And it was because the university had opened its doors to people of color or non-whites as we were known. So that that was kind of, we were probably, you know, one of the first few lots. Uh, It was a great experience. It was a great experience being home because we had been without, you know, just on and off, um, not lived with our parents. And my father passed away when he was 56. So those few years were very precious to me. Mm. I got to spend them. It wasn't a great move career-wise, I'll be honest, because I was at King's College here, uh, where it was more of a clinical pharmacology program, which is what I really wanted to do. But as I'm sure you know, and I know that everything helps in life, whatever you've learned. It, it, you know, it, and I'm, I'm finding that because when I used to go home, my dad had uh, this wholesale business, so he used to go home, go there and do the accounts, you know, and then now yeah. that's helped me uh, in my career.
0: And I certainly know that, you know, South Africa has gone through its ups and downs, but, uh, but what was it like? I mean, uh, was it okay? Was it relatively safe? Could you live your life as you wanted to, with, with certain restrictions, of course?
1: No, well, you know, we were actually uh, confined to certain areas. So mm. my my parents lived in Johannesburg. My dad's business was down the road, so we stayed in this apartment, um, which which was okay. I mean, he could frankly afford something really nice, but because of the apartheid, we were restricted to that area. But I think you know you you make the most of life, don't you? And we were mm. we were very actually fortunate because my father had the. You know, financial strength to send us away, bring us back on holidays. I I think overall I have fond memories of South Africa. It wasn't very safe. You were restricted to going out, um, etc. So your your family life was very strong.
0: Hmm. Now, um, moving forward, uh, coming to the UK, what? How did you actually get into, interested in homeopathy? Did did this come by chance, or did you speak to somebody, or?
1: Yeah, as as I said, I kind of stumbled into homeopathy. There was no kind of big career, you know, choice. Um, when I um, finished my pharmacology degree after a few years, got married, emigrated uh, to the U.S. with my husband for his business, and um, then we, a few, in my mid-40s, we were traveling again um, because of his business, and we were in Dubai for a couple of years. And that's where I amazingly ran into someone with the book on homeopathy, in, in, just in the bookstore.
0: I didn't expect that. Not yeah. in Dubai. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dubai, exactly. I was there yeah. just for two years. But, you know, it's just being in the right place at the right time. That's, I think that's what's happened to me. So I went up to her and asked her, you know, tell me a little bit more, where did you learn this? And she said the College of uh, Homeopathy in London. So that was my next stop London and hopefully it's the final stop. Uh, so I looked into it came down for an interview with the College of Homeopathy and basically the rest is history. I heard Colin mention that when he was there, Colin Griffith, it was run by Robert Davidson and Barbara Howell. I joined in 2000. Robert had opened the College of Practical Homeopathy. So we all basically most of us moved to the College of Practical Homeopathy. And for me, that was the best decision I made. And Robert, he was great, he just welcomed us. And, you know, unfortunately it was his last year at the college, he was retiring. But then uh, another great person in my life, Ellen Kramer took over the college. And I will say she's my mentor. She was just so encouraging and giving. Um, alongside her late husband, Tony, they—they, they, I would say my career really launched off from there.
0: So many people have said so many wonderful things about uh, LNA. Today, you know, that college has um, certainly a lot of respect around the world. And yeah. uh, a number of homeopaths that I do speak to on the podcast from around the world actually studied at the College of Practical Homeopathy. So, you know, that's always always good to know as well.
1: At the practical college, you just went and did your bit, you know, and that I think that was a great stepping stone for me personally. And I was also fortunate to have been taught by some great teachers and visiting lecturers like Robin Murphy. He Mm. was a big influence in um, my life in terms of the practice because he made it so simple. You know, he says, treat the patient for what they've come for. And I think a lot of that is missed when we try and, you know, take the whole case and then, you know, you get kind of lost in there. So that makes it very simple. Make sure that you're treating the. If it's a stubbed toe, then make sure that. And the second way I look at homeopathy is where's the energy leak? So stop that leak. And once you stop that leak, it can Mm -hmm. either be just an acute and your body will just start recovering or, you know, you have to go deeper. And it was interesting yesterday, I, I had this light bulb moment because um, we have, um, you know, the recessed lighting in the kitchen and right. tiny bulbs. And a few days ago, a bulb had gone off and it was affecting, you know, the room, the, the kitchen once I was cooking. And um, anyway, um, yesterday, my husband said, oh, I fixed that bulb. I said, oh, I didn't notice that because, you know, I had gone, grown accustomed to that mm. that kind of light. And this is what happens in uh, in health, doesn't it? You know, we have this little bulb going off here, bulb going off there, but then our body just climatizes to that till, till it can't anymore. This is total. So this is the thing about fixing those little light bulbs and then raising the energy so that you can recover from whatever else is going on.
0: I was thinking of the word, uh, how to uh, adapt. And adaptability how the body adapts so you mentioned your light bulb uh in the bitter cold of december uh, our boiler decided to break uh, literally and um physically i mean you know the, yeah, the pipe it broke. Always happens when it's- <clears throat> it always does and uh for two weeks we had cold water so the first day was of course it was torture the second day was wasn't too bad now by the second week we had adapted and we were, I can't say we were comfortable because in the winter you need hot water, right? And there's so many things you need water for anyway. But um, we we had adapted and it, it wasn't as bad as it was. We were at about 20% uh, negativity, you know, compared to 100% on day one. <laughs> so it's amazing. But that example and what you've just mentioned, but it also relays to health because the body adapts. Uh, it's fascinating, isn't it, that someone who... God forbid, has blood pressure or has diabetes or has uh, neuropathy or any other condition, uh, any debilitating chronic condition, that how they're able to still continue how amazing this machinery is of the human body and how it's been created, that it does adapt. Of course, there's pain. I'm not saying, you know, it's easy. Of course, it's not. But the body is, is a fighting machine, isn't it? It still is able to carry on but you can adapt and still have a relatively good life. I'm not saying that's right, but what I'm saying is there are places where people don't have access to hospitals, to doctors, to homeopaths, to, you know, uh, therapists. So all they have to rely on is upon themselves, and they adapt, and they're able to still live out a relatively normal normal life, you know. So it makes you wonder, doesn't it, how, how brilliant the creation of the body is.
1: Yeah. You know? I think it's I'm I know you've talked about this um on the shows is it's just the environment has gone so bad, you know, with all the electronic stuffs, etc. So I think we all kind of vibrating at a certain level and we as with 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 all the tools we have, we need to re-raise that vibration. So that we kind of remember what it is like to be really well
0: well i i <clears throat> for those listening in just for this podcast as we're talking about frequencies i have uh, five different frequencies uh that i'm surrounded by at this moment just to record this podcast so and that's just for the next hour or 90 minutes but then during the day there's so many other frequencies you know from it's so many i mean I, where do you start and um you know everybody is very highly strung and i've mentioned this on the show a few times now but it's so true as each passing day goes by i found that everybody uh not everybody let me rephrase i always start saying everybody and then i then i track back but i mean majority of people certainly that i come into contact with are, are i would say highly strung or on edge mm-hmm. there's always something that's bugging them or they're not happy about something and and it's almost becoming um it reminds me of the Narayani hysteria mix, actually, which we are going to go into shortly. But uh, you, you get what I'm saying, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> it's, a, it's a perfect remedy, actually. I know we're going off on tangent, but it's a perfect remedy for for uh, being highly strung nowadays.
1: Well, that's okay <laughs> if you go off on a tangent. No, <laughs> <I'm>...
0: <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, But it is worrying, though, isn't it, Namisha, because... We're bombarded with different electromagnetic frequencies, the radiation of different types. The climate's not very safe. It's not very good. Um, the news is always so down and pessimistic and so blue. Of course, living in England, the weather doesn't help, does it? It's all raining one day, snowing the next. Exactly. Uh,
1: and the soil, of course, the soil being depleted, as you mentioned before.
0: Yeah, yeah. The soil is, is not helping us. So, so much needs to be done mind body and spirit totally you know
1: well just a little tip that i learned not that i do it much but uh, there was um a home there is a homeopath i think he's retired that's why i said it was um roger dyson who says to to take a hairdryer switch it on but turn it the other way around and go up and down your body so apparently your electrons etc get neutralized right but that's to kind of protect yourself a little bit so that's maybe something we can all start
0: doing. To Must protect. be as a, w- a way of grounding, isn't it? Yeah,
1: it's a grounding. Yeah.
0: yeah. But in summer, I tell you, as you know very well, just take your socks off and go for a walk in the park. As long as it's a clean, clean grass, of course. But um it's so therapeutic, isn't it? To yeah. to ground yourself, it's just wonderful. And maybe that's the innate uh, ability of the, of a of a human being to know, and that's why going to the park is such a delight.
1: Yes. I, I had a strange experience. I've always lived in the city, but I was—I um, had gone out to the countryside. There was a workshop on the flower essences, um, not the not the bush ones, uh, the Australian. So there was oh, a yes. workshop with Ian White, and it was amazing. And when I was driving back, I actually felt everything closing in on me. Right. It's, it's very weird because I've always lived in the city, but. Just that transition was so great for a couple of days.
0: Which again is, we're going to go off on a tangent, but the the batch flower remedies, the Bailey essences, and especially the Australian bush flower essences, they're phenomenal, aren't they? They really are so good. And I use uh, uh, a lot of them for um, hormonal issues, hormonal complaints. They work wonders.
1: Yeah, even the Alaskan. I like the Alaskan as well because they're more cooling. But I, I guess... There was a time and place for everything. Now, because the Narayanis have the batch remedies in them, I've kind of not really, I guess basically stopped using the other ones. But yeah, they're all great.
0: Which takes us certainly to your expertise or one of your expertise, uh, one of uh, your areas of specific interest that you've spent many years on, which is the Narayani remedies or the Narayani system of of medicine, let's call it. Now, uh, for those who don't know what the Narayani remedies are, uh, it will be good to hear it from the expert what they are. And then perhaps you can also explain, um, or tell us rather, what it was like. Because I know you traveled to um South Africa and to India, um, and you've spent a lot of time looking and researching the Narayani remedies. Uh, so do share because I think that's uh That's really going to be uh, an eye-opener for everyone.
1: Okay, that's great. Thanks for the opportunity to do that. I won't say I'm an expert. I just, again, happen to be in the right place at the right time.
0: She's Uh, an expert.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, not only remedies are combination remedies in a nutshell, but they're more than just putting a few remedies together. The person behind them, was Swami Narayani, who actually was um, just going to the ashram for yoga, uh, the ashram in, in South Africa. And uh, there, there's kind of a whole uh, lineage there. But when I started researching, it, it it actually came about because when I graduated from the College of Practical Homeopathy, um, Ellen was, as I mentioned, the director in charge. and um, Something made me say, listen, I'd like to keep in touch and be involved with the college. So she said, yes, what I'd like to do is I'd like to have the graduates come back from time to time, have other homeopaths come and visit. So why don't we set up a graduate forum? So that's how I got involved. Uh, and I said, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And I started off inviting, um, you know, um, teachers to come and talk on weekends. I would do it on you know maybe four or five Sundays a year, and uh, just again, you know, um, organize it, invite them, um, get the enrollment, etc. And uh, at one point she said, "Why don't you talk on the Narani remedies?" I said, hmm, what am I going to talk about that?" And she said, "Let's sit down." And we actually put together a, a kind of lecture. Mm. because Ellen can talk about anything under the sun and she used to use Narayani remedies. I was um, backtracking. I was introduced to the Narayani remedies in 2003 by Robert Davidson, but it was one of the last lectures of the year, you know, when you're just like uh, saying goodbye Mm. and it was mind blowing because he was like talking about 10 M's and 50 M's and one M's, but there wasn't much information on them because I remember going home and looking you know, for information on the internet and there wasn't much. And a couple of years later, um, this opportunity came where Ellen said, why don't you talk about them? So I started researching. And then that was when everything came together for me because I had lost my dad by that time. And uh, when I was researching, I saw a picture of Swami Shivananda, who's basically the founder of the Soham Foundation. And I said, I know that face because that book used to be in our living room in South Africa. Interesting. Uh, yeah, because my dad was, you know, um, a patron of the Divine Life Society, which was founded by Swami Shivananda. So that kind of made me feel uh, dad was guiding me to this, and this was the path. So it, it and I've not looked back since then. So, um, we put together this talk and I started talking about Narayani remedies. And Swami Narayani was, you know, when, when we talk about this later, she was one of the downlines um, of Swami Shivananda, et cetera. And again, what was very interesting for me was I could relate to the background because when I went back to South Africa, we had this little um, clinic. I was the one with the car. It was a, a
0: mm-hmm.
1: they call it a baby shit Mazda color, you know, but it had a hatchback. So I, uh, we had, um, I had a few friends who were medics and we used to actually drive out to the farms to offer uh, vaccinations and medical help. So this, this was a, a weekend thing and we all used to pile up into my car. And on the Friday, I would go around collecting medicines from all the pharmaceuticals. So when I was going through the research and seeing what Swami Narayani had done, she had, you know, this was in Durban, I was in Johannesburg, but similar because the farms are so widely spread that they had no medical help. And she actually started this little mobile clinic with the Narayani remedies and started putting together the combinations.
0: The source material, now the the Narayani remedies come in um, mixtures, don't they? So yep. there's there's mixtures and balance remedies, and then there's uh, organo-OM remedies, and then there's mixtures of mixtures. Now, the question that I'm often asked, certainly, is where were they sourced from? How, how were these mixtures put together? Because um, some of them, let, let's let take an example from from your book, Nimisha, uh, Narayani Remedies. So I'll just open it anyway. So let's say, heart balance. Um, It's got in here, for example, uh, adrenaline as an organo uh, ingredient, and then there's some batch flower remedies and, of course, the homeopathic. But then when you look at, uh, let's say, the organo remedy called heart, and that's got coronary artery, endocardium, pericardium, and so forth. So where where was all of this sourced? Because that must have really been... Time-intensive, labor-intensive.
1: Well, we started sourcing ours from a pharmacy in India where we were led to by the Soham Foundation. Most of these are bovine SAR Yes, it did take a lot of effort. Uh, but she did it in stages. She hmm. started with the simple mixtures first and then, and she used to travel to India and you know, Mauritius, et cetera. I started on this journey 20 years ago. I did call up um, the foundation in uh, South Africa, asked a few questions. And it was similar to, um, you know, certain kind of groups being formed around Africa where a homeopath from here goes, trains the local people, and then they run the place. So this Hmm. is actually what happened after Swami Narayani passed away.
0: You traveled, obviously, to the soham sanctuary yes and um what was your experience actually being there
1: um the original one in south africa is closed down i think when narani passed away then swami ananda was there and then he when he moved to india um where i I did meet him uh, i think the benoni one closed down but i i do know uh, from the original people i met in in gujarat that Even at the Gujarat Foundation, they used to have chanting and prayers and, uh, you know, have the homeopaths working there, Hmm. which was a really nice influence. Things have changed quite a bit now. They've uh, kind of renovated the premises. But I think I'm kind of the people are really nice. I think I'm one of the few people who've met the trustees, et cetera. Right. Because I felt that was important, that they know who I am and I know who they
0: are. I know many years ago, I was uh, in regular phone contact and email contact with Swami Ananda. And, uh, uh, you know, a lot of of knowledge there on the Narayani remedies. And again, it it reminds me of something you said earlier, that something uh, Robin Murphy said to you, um, which is keep things simple. So I would find in my youth or my passion or zeal um, i would ask certain questions to do with the Narayani remedies but the reply would be very straightforward and very simple and i'd say oh okay is that it you know and but later on now you know at a at a, at a more uh mature age i realize now what all of that meant um I mean, it's I... just keep things simple isn't it it just don't don't uh Um, don't make it too complex for yourself to understand, just be appreciative that something's there. It's been tried and tested in practice, and it works.
1: Absolutely. I think when we get into analysis of each remedy, etc, that's when it gets complicated, I think we can get really go down the rabbit hole. And I remember, um, you know, the psycho spiritual ones, like removal of entities, divine protection, even though I come from a spiritual background, my mind didn't kind of quite get around to that initially
0: hmm. but
1: then a few years later with the feedback I got and you won't believe it my my husband who's not very highly spiritual any packages that go out he kind of sprays divine protection over it to make sure it reaches its journey
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's good good Um uh, now practicing Narayani remedies or using them in day-to-day scenarios um I found that some of the combinations, because I, I, as a homeopath, I use, uh, I have a toolbox, like we were speaking off air earlier. Um, I have a toolbox, and whatever the patient needs at that time is is what I will prescribe. So it could be based on the classical route, constitutional, it could be a miasmatic route, it could be anything, or it could be combination remedies. Sometimes somebody comes with something very acute, and I found that the Narayani remedies are so quick but then going back at the start i will i also remember that i thought 10m because i was taught 10m and 50m as as all homeopaths are aware are very deep acting very high potencies and um i thought this can't be right because there's so many combinations which are so strong you know so deep acting 50m is huge isn't it and um but they work. Would they work without aggravation? Of course, it's homeopathic, so there's no side effects. But uh, it's amazing how well they continue to work. And it's like um, the hysteria mix. Uh, we, we were joking about this, but that's such a apt remedy uh, for today, and it works wonders. It doesn't mean it's a you know that's the remedy and it's going to cure everything. But certainly, to get a patient who is experiencing the symptoms related to that mixture specifically, or where one homeopath feels that patient will benefit from, it works within days, doesn't it? It's just phenomenal.
1: Yeah, I, I was at um, an ARH conference one, one of the years, and um, someone came up to me and said it worked great for her daughter who was taking exams, mm. and that's really phenomenal because you know they you can just freeze up prior to an exam or even during an exam. And she said this remedy worked beautifully.
0: How, how's, how's your experience with the, with the remedies? I mean, because uh, you've been using them for over 15 years, is it now?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we don't have a formal forum, but where, hmm. wherever I go, uh, besides using it in my own house, you won't find a painkiller in my house, by the way. So it's like, uh, I've I've got a slightly sore shoulder, just went and got the pain 10M. And, you know, I was fine. This was yesterday. And then I was reflecting, actually, that got used up very fast because the pain did come back and I had to take a, you know, reboot it. Hmm. So this is the thing that what you're talking about, the high potency is because it's matching the level of my pain. So a 30C would not have really done anything, I think.
0: That's absolutely true. I hundred percent agree with what you've just said, and that's actually a very important point for homeopaths as well. That I always co- I come across uh, patients who are, let's say, belladonna is their indicated remedy for whatever the, the symptoms present, and or or it's, let's say, take an, another example of Arnica, and they've been taking thirty C, and they're very upset because they're saying. Oh, I got this, and and I started using this. I bought this off the shelf. I bought it online, and it's a 30c or it's a 6c, and it's not working. Potency is so so important. It depends on the patient, uh, on their uh, situation that they're in, the severity of the condition, the actual vibration that the vibration of the patient, uh, you know, him or herself, and that's where the potency level comes in. It depends. It could be a thirty C, but nowadays I've actually found it. It goes above thirty C. It has to be generally. I, I find it's two hundred C and above yeah. Yeah. where you find a result, because I give the same remedy back. They say, "Oh, but we've taken belladonna, or we've taken arnica." I right? "No, you haven't taken it in a two hundred C or a one M." And lo and behold, the same remedy works.
1: I'll give you another example, actually personal one I had um, after I had completed a. Um, workshop in Cornwall, actually. And I was all relaxed, you know, and didn't see this sign saying, mind the step. And I went flying. I was going to be actually literally flying to India in two weeks. And my. No father, pun intended. Yeah, no pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended. But um, I actually fell on my ankle, which I had previously dislocated. Hmm. So I was act- lying there in absolute terror. So it wasn't just an injury. It was that terror that overcame me. And fortunately, I had the remedies with me because I just talked on them. So I took the paramedic rescue, which has got rescue remedy in it, the injury, etc. And it's a high potency. And it did the trick. So this is the thing. And I thought, you know, yeah, when when you're injured, it's not just that. You have to really then ask, what was the feeling? You know, was it just a small injury? Or this was actually terrorizing for me. So mm. Narayani, you know, paramedic rescue. It's one I tell everyone to keep in their
0: purse. Definitely. So now over and above the Narayani remedies, um, and you have written a book, um, of course, on the Narayani remedies, which uh, basically explains the formulations, um, the potencies, and and so forth. But you're also very interested in the Banerjee protocols, So do tell us more about that.
1: Yeah, so this is again connected to the Narayani remedies. Um, As I said, this has launched my career because uh, one uh, very dear Japanese friend of mine, she's a homeopath. She's, I think, not practicing anymore, but she got interested in the Narayani remedies and, you know, we used to attend my courses and promote them. And she actually had been taught the Banerjee protocols and used to go over to Holland uh, because Eval Stotler used to host the Banerjee's. Mm. And she she was trying to push me into coming and say, have a Narayani table there. And I didn't have the money, frankly, uh, and, and for, for the tuition and the flight, etc. So I didn't, didn't go much to my regret. But a few years later, she said, why don't we organize a Banerjee protocol seminar, invite them here? And she said, you know, uh, they're not actually responding to my emails. And I was actually flying to Mumbai um, pretty soon after that. So I took a flight to Calcutta just to go and invite them. And I was all I was there for about 20 minutes because Dr. the senior Dr. Banerjee was not well. So I spoke to Dr. Pratip Banerjee and he said, Yeah, I will look into it. And that's how we started the dialogue. And uh it was the, we had them in twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen and that was the first time they actually spoke in london right It was i think a great achievement for us and introduced the banerjee's uh, protocols to the u k homeopaths and what's
0: what's the thought process behind the the, the ben, for those who aren't aware
1: <clears throat> yeah. me,
0: what's the thought process behind the, the the Banerjee protocols themselves
1: well you know um Um, we practice the modern homeopathy, which is the layers method, the IZAGA method, as some people may be aware. Uh, This is what one of the courses I run as well. And they actually treat the the top layer. Well, I think there's another layer on top, which is the drug layer, but they make it very simple. They just give camphor 200 to take care of that. Um, I tend to do much more uh, stuff like detoxing. But mm. then they, they basically, because they don't have the time and they, have, they had such an expertise on diseases, they just treat that layer, the disease layer. But saying that, they also used to give some organ support in form of mother tinctures and a little bit of the miasmatic um, surinum once every 10 days. So it, it was a multi-pronged. It is a multi-pronged approach. Sadly, both of them have passed away, as you know. Uh, but I was fortunate to actually go and um, be with them um, from time to time. I um, was after they did the seminar here. I was invited to the 150-year celebration in Calcutta, and uh, again, fortunately for me, they had to postpone it. Because the their chief guest was the president of India. And this occasion was on a Monday. Hmm. And the Saturday, he decided to go for a walk in his presidential gardens and got heat stroke. Oh. So he, he informed them that you'll have to reschedule. So when I spoke to Dr. Pratip a couple of months later, I said, So how did it go? He says, Well, it didn't, because we had to reschedule it. <laughs> yeah. So that then worked for me. So I I was one of the few people who managed in, to go internationally to that presentation. And it was really something to see.
0: Amazing. So, so that, a lot so of after um...
1: that I did, I decided to stay, spend a couple of weeks and, um, you know, learn the process. And again, having that strong foundation in practical homeopathy really, you know, held me in good stead because I didn't, I could understand what they were doing. And mm. uh, on my next visit, uh, I had gone through some of the protocols. It was kind of fun because it would be a guessing game. I would guess what they were going to prescribe
0: mm.
1: and see if that, <laughs> that worked or not. So that that was a lot of fun
0: as well. Have you? Um, are you looking at uh, writing a book, aren't you, on the Banerjee protocols,
1: well, or is know, that
0: something I, in the works?
1: No, um, I did write the materia medica. I don't know if you've seen that. And when I was writing that, I actually looked up the meaning of Materia Medica. We know what in in homeopathy, we have the repertory and the Materia Medica. Mm. And this this is again, quite a fun fact for me. I'm gonna actually read it out because this is from Wikipedia. Um, Materia Medica is the Latin term for the body of knowledge about the therapeutic properties of substances. This term was used till the 20th century but has since been replaced by the term pharmacology.
0: Mm, interesting.
1: Whoa. Well, that's where my interest has come in. Because, uh, <laughs> I kind of, you know, normally uh, the analogy is I normally just wear a black coat, but once in a while I'll put on a red coat to be different. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to offer something different because this, of course I didn't want to reproduce any Materia Medica. But I decided to focus on the Banerjee protocols and why certain remedies were in the protocols. Mm. And of course, when I asked, I would, I would ask Dr. Prasanta, uh, he used to actually, at the clinic, he would come in quite early around nine o'clock and the clinic is joined to their residence. So I, I would pitch up there at nine o'clock because you know, I, I was on holiday and we would have discussions about this. And when I would ask him something, he says, Oh, it's just from my experience, you know, and research, et cetera, which is very true, of course, because there's so much depth to those protocols. And then when I bumped into him, well, I didn't bump into him. I was in Germany at the same time as him for a conference that he was presenting. And I asked him a question and he says, Oh, so do you want me to teach you homeopathy now? You know, he kind of smiled. (laughs) Uh, I said, okay, I'm going to get into this uh, because of course, we want to know what we're doing. We don't want to blindly be, Describing protocols.
0: Mm, yes, of course.
1: We want to incorporate them into our practice. And uh, I started looking and researching, and it's it's still a journey, but it was great. It, it was a great um, project.
0: It's been uh, quite quite a journey you 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 just mentioned that uh, interesting journey as well, you know, from growing up in South Africa, studying here in London in the College of Practical homeopathy. Going back to Gujarat for Narayani remedies, coming back, and then you've got the Banerjee protocols. So quite a um, a, a, a very rich, rich uh, experience that you've had so far, and uh, may it well continue for many, many years. You know.
1: Thank you. What I'm currently working on is amalgamating my various courses. I've got courses on Narayani, Banerjee, etc., and I'm, you know, keen to put it all into a single program. i kind of putting a deadline for myself for september because right. i work well under deadlines otherwise it can go on you know forever <laughs> so uh, i'm hoping to launch that and see where it takes us
0: great well hopefully just before the launch um i hope you will come back on the podcast the homeopathy health podcast and and talk some more it's uh it's been a sheer delight to have you uh join me today it's been really really good
1: Thank you. And, you know, I, I think it's all about resonance and I think we resonate well. So thank you for inviting me and may it long last.
0: May it long last indeed. Thank you so much. Thanks, think. I do hope you've enjoyed the Homeopathy Health Show here on UK Health Radio, the world's number one talk health radio. Tune in next time for more things homeopathy, interviews and segments on the healing possibilities that homeopathy can bring you. And don't forget to visit UK Health Radio online at www.ukhealthradio.com to see the many other amazing shows available to listen live and on demand. Or why not download the app from the iOS and Android stores. Until next time, stay safe and take care.